Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Question for you all. How many of you would say, if I were to ask you, um, are you where you thought you would be today? If you look back on your life and said, man, we know when I was five years old, when I was 10, 15, 20, and I thought this is what my life is going to look like, and if you think about where you are now, would you say this is definitely where I thought I would be? So we're seeing a lot of head shaking no. I'd see, I assume for most of us that at least part of your life has not turned out exactly the way that you thought it was, and that could be for a number of reasons, right? Things Things come up that we're not expecting. Sometimes it's things people do to us, right? Maybe it's um, um, an unforeseen relationship or um, a a medical issue. It could be um, a move that you weren't expecting. It could be news that came to you unexpectedly. Um, There's so many different things that come into our lives that can shift the direction and change where we end up. Um, And then you also have the additional problem for someone like me of... Um, I was not terribly uh, clear as a young child on what I wanted to do to begin with. So I was that kid who was like, I don't know, I could do this, I could do that, I will will find out. My brother, on the other hand, my brother Roger, um, some of you may know, I'm one of four siblings. My My brother Roger is older than me by 18, or sorry, 15 months. And then I have a younger sister and a younger brother. But my brother Roger was that kid who just knew. Like at age 8, 8, 10, 15, he knew what he wanted to do. And so I remember when we were young, my dad built us this playset, and my brother took his weather gauge outside and he attached it to the playset, and he would collect the rain samples. And that kid at like age 8 was already doing the weather thing. And then we moved when I was, um, I was probably around 10, and we moved to Alabama. And of course, you may know down there, there's a little more severe weather. And so I'm that kid, you know, I was introduced to uh, tornado sirens for the first time, and I'm freaking out. My sister and I went in the bathroom. We didn't have a basement, so we went in the bathroom, in the tub. That's the safest place to be. But my brother was on the, on the front porch with his video camera, and he was like, if there's a twister, I'm going to catch it. Uh, And I remember at that time, my mom, um, he told me my mom, while we were in Alabama, um, somehow introduced him, got him connected with a meteorologist that worked there, and he said, so about age 15, he just knew, this is what I want to do. I want to be a meteorologist, and I'm going to pursue this. And so, sure enough, even though we moved back up north as a a family um, and ended up in Connecticut here, my brother, um, he went to University of South Alabama in Mobile, and he went and and got a degree in meteorology. And uh, so I actually have a picture, I think, of me and my brother um, on the left there. That's me and him when we were little, probably around the time he was already knowing that he wanted to to do weather. And then here on the right, we have um, this past summer, I got the privilege of going down to North Carolina where he lives now and where he works for the National Weather Service. Uh, And he's worked for the National Weather Service now for seven years in different states, but this is kind of like, this was always the goal, was to end up somewhere in in the south. So that was a really cool moment for me this year. And so I look at my brother, and there's a part of me that's like, man, I just wish I knew what I wanted to do when I was your age, because I did not. 
which is why if you look at my like extracurricular activities, I was a little ping pong ball. And so I did ballet for a little bit. There may be an awkward picture of me in a, yep, there we are. Uh, I, looked, I looked cute in the, in the uh, leotard, but apparently, you know, ballerina, you're supposed to have something called grace and coordination. <laughs> I was not that. Um, so that didn't, that didn't last. Um, I tried gymnastics. Also, also again, didn't, didn't go well for me. Um, I tried soccer for like maybe, maybe one season. This was basketball. Um, I did a little bit of everything. I, I think theater was probably the thing I loved the most. Um, but even that, I, I, didn't, I didn't stick it out forever. I did marching band. Um, and then when it came to careers, I was just as lost. So I think when I was a kid, I think I definitely wanted to be a singer. And by college, I realized that probably wasn't going to pan out. So I, I kind of shifted gears. But I remember I thought, OK, maybe I'll go to school and I'll major in English. And I remember my uncle, <laughs> my uncle told me, if you major in English, you're probably going to want to get used to saying, do you want some fries with that? Because you're not going to be able to make a living with, with an English degree. I mean, he was, he was half joking. But, um, but so I was like, hey, maybe, maybe I won't do English. Maybe I'll major in Spanish. Maybe I'll teach uh, English as a second language. And I was just, like I said, all over the map. So of course, instead of, instead of finishing college at the time, I decided, well, I'll just quit school and be a nanny, because that's what people do. Um, <laughs> at zero points in my life did I, th did I think at that time, oh, I, will t I would love to teach at a church. At zero points did I say, maybe I'll work at a church one day. But you know, maybe I should have seen it coming, because if you look back at my life, it, you could say it was almost like one of those cheesy horror movies. Not that my life was like a cheesy horror movie, but you know when you watch a horror movie, or I, I don't, but maybe you do, and you know that I, I've been told that there's those scenes like where the, the girl is headed towards the barn with the, all the butcher equipment, and it's dark, and there's like, she's alone, she has no cell phone, she dropped it somewhere, and everyone's watching the show, and they're like, no, stop, don't go there, because you know what's going to happen before, before she ever gets there, right? And I feel like if you looked at my life, you might have said the same thing. So uh, for those who don't know, um, my dad was a pastor. My dad used to pastor here, actually, at Hope Church. Uh, my grandparents, I've had two grandparents who were pastors. Seven of my uncles have taught in churches. Um, and then my dad, you know, he started a church in New England when I was very young, so I got to watch a church being grown from the ground up. Um, we moved to Alabama, where we got to help with another church. And so if you looked at my life, you might have looked at me and been like, girl, you're crazy because... Clearly, like, like this was in your family, it was in your lineage, you should have seen this coming, but I apparently am an idiot, I did not. Um, so I didn't, I, like I said, I, I went to college briefly, I said, what am I doing here, I don't really know what I want to do, and so I decided to, to stop and come home. Um, and even that was a pivotal moment for me in my life, because I remember thinking at the time, like, good Christian girls don't quit college and come home, and... Um, and I remember having to wrestle with God and really coming to this place of peace finally and saying, okay, God, God was telling me, your story doesn't end. You know, you don't, it's, not like, it's not like you make some mistake and then I write you out of my story, right? He can work, he can move. And a lot of times God's like, like there's not one perfect answer. And in the path that you choose, I'm gonna keep working with you. I'm gonna keep showing you what I have for you, and I'm going to keep using you. Um, so maybe if that's you, if you feel like, man, I made too many poor choices, or I just don't know how I got here, and now God can't use me, well, um, hopefully my life can be a little reminder that um, God can absolutely use the detours and things that feel like they would derail us. God can still work through those stories. 
And so I ended up, though, at, at some point, I, I came home, I was a nanny, and then I got married, and I had kids, and I stopped nannying because I didn't want to watch other people's kids. Um, I was like, minor enough, we'll just do that. And then I had three kids, and I had this moment where I loved my kids, I loved my life, but I, I felt that sense of dissatisfaction a little bit, like maybe there was something more. Have you ever been there? Just a little sense of like, okay, I don't know what it is. And I wrestled with that. And I do believe sometimes God is going to bring you to a place in your life that feels a little bit like dissatisfaction because God wants to push you into something. He wants you to, he wants you to feel a little discomfort and tension because he wants you to step out and step into something that maybe he has for you. And maybe even the things that you look around and the things that bother you, the things that, um, that you're like, man, something here needs to change. Sometimes God is showing you that and giving you that dissatisfaction because he's like, I want you to step into that and be part of the change in that world, in the world in that way. Um, so I started to feel that way a little bit. And it was around that time, this was 2015, and I was just praying, and I felt like God gave me a verse that did not make sense to me. It did not make sense to me. And... Um, you know, it's interesting, I look back and uh, throughout the scripture, and very rarely does God tell his people things that make sense by human standards, right? Like, if it, it, it's true, if you look back, like, when, like even Tom talked so far in this series about how God led Moses and the Israelites to this place where they were literally stuck, they couldn't go anywhere, they couldn't go behind them because there was an army and they couldn't go forward, they could only go through the sea, and that sounds impossible, but that's what God wanted to do to work his plan through them. You look at the story of Gideon, and if you know the story of Gideon, he was supposed to fight against this enemy army, and the army that they were supposed to fight, he's like, we need to have more, we need to have more people to fight against this, this enemy. And instead of adding more people to their army, God says, nope, I want you to get rid of some people. I'm going to dwindle down your army until it's so small that everyone knows that only I could have defeated this enemy. And so God told Gideon something that did not make any sense. You look at the story of, of uh, Mary in the New Testament, and man, Christmas is coming up a lot faster than I want than I realize, but the story of Mary, God comes to her and says, hey, I have this plan for you and this purpose for you, and it's going to involve, you know, minor detail, virgin birth, and, you know, I, I, not a big deal. All you have to do is say yes, and it made absolutely no sense, Right? But God has a habit of asking us or saying things to us sometimes that just don't make any logical sense to ourselves. Um, and so God uh, put this verse in my life, and this is the verse I want to share with you. Um, and I'm part of what's interesting about this verse, I know so far in this message series, we've been kind of talking about broad principle verses. So the verse, first week I talked about um, the verse that shaped me that was, uh, my, my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I shared about how God used that verse to get me through really difficult times in my life. And then Tom shared last week about the verse that says, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And how we need to be faithful stewards of the gifts and the life that God has given us. And I want to bring up this verse that God gave me. Um, even though it may not feel specific to you, I want this to be a reminder that sometimes God is going to use his scripture, use his word to speak very specifically into your life in a way that you need to hear in this season. Um, and he's going to, he's, his word is living and active. And so I want you to, I would love for us to be a people, a, um, a church that expects that God wants to speak to you and that he wants to, to use his word to speak into your life. So the verse that God gave me was 2 Timothy 4.2, and it says, Preach the word, 
Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And uh, first of all, I want to say, some, some people may say, wait, what do you mean when you say God gave you this word or you felt like this, word, this, this scripture spoke to you? So for, for different people, that may look different ways. Uh, for me, maybe you've had this happen where you're reading the Bible and a verse just feels like it jumps out at you. And you're like, I don't know why. I never noticed that verse before. I read it 10 times. Sometimes you'll have this moment where, where a verse jumps out at you, right? And you say, okay, I think maybe God is, is saying something to me. Um, or maybe it's a verse that just keeps popping up over and over again. I remember my mom used to say, okay, when, you, when, when God's saying something repetitively, start paying attention. Um, for you, it may be different. But for me, I'm a journaler, so when I'm not sure if God's saying something, I'll just write it down and kind of wait for him to confirm that. And so that's what I did. October 2015, I wrote in my journal. I said, does God want me to be prepared in season and out of season? And I said, would that mean writing a sermon, and I put it in quotations, a sermon just in case? Because you could tell that even at the time, it didn't make sense to me. Why would I write a sermon when I was a stay-at-home mom and I was not trained, and I had dropped out of college. I had no opportunities, and at this time, I'm already in my late 20s, and so I felt like I was pretty far behind for this to be happening, um, and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if God could really mean me. There's a book I read recently by John Acuff. Uh, it's called Soundtracks, I believe. A great book. Uh, and he says that we all have these negative thoughts that come into our mind pretty quickly, right? In fact, he says that these negative ideas and thoughts are pretty much our default setting. So when, when something like this comes to you and someone's like, oh, maybe you could do this thing, or someone says to me, maybe you could, you know, preach at a church, and our initial reaction is usually what? Oh my gosh, No. Me? I could never do that. Or I, I just, again, we start listing off all these things. And John Acuff calls these negative stories you tell yourself. And he calls them soundtracks. And he says, for instance, this is from his book, have you ever had to remind yourself of something dumb you did or you said a long time ago? Do you need a to-do list to overthink an embarrassing situation from eighth grade, even though you're in your 30s? No, our brain naturally goes to these negative things, these, these things that we've done bad or poorly or failed, the, the times in our life where we made a mistake. And I think the enemy likes to capitalize on that voice in our head and, and say, yep, that's right, you can't, you can't be used by God. You can't do that thing. Why should you even try? And the enemy likes to take that dissatisfaction. You know, God wants to take that and use it to push us to something positive. And the enemy wants to take that dissatisfaction and those negative voices and turn it into resentment and turn it into bitterness and turn it into stuck and have us just stay there stagnant. But that's not what God has for our lives. And so if I were to ask you right now, it would probably be pretty easy for you to think of all the disqualifications and the limits on your life. It would probably be pretty easy for you to remember all the insecurities and all the reasons why you shouldn't or couldn't possibly do something or be used by God. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's, you know, when you grew up, you had certainly family expectations of you. Oh, your, your dad said you were going to be this, and you felt like you had no choice. You had to do that. Maybe it was um, a relationship shift, a hurt or betrayal, something that went wrong. Maybe you feel like you had to start over, and again, maybe you've gotten to that place in your life where you're like, I'm, I feel too old, too late to start over, to do something, to be useful for God. I don't have the education. I don't have what it takes. 
And that's the soundtrack you may hear, but I want you to know that God's truth and his power over your life is so much louder. And I want to give you my story a little bit as an example just so that you can begin to, to recognize that God's story is always better and always bigger than what we can see. And so I told you in October of 2015, I started writing about that verse and praying about that verse. And then November of that next month, our pastor Jermaine, who was here at the time, uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, would you like to teach at Hope Church in December this year? And I was surprised, but again, I felt like, okay, God has been, I guess God is putting this in my heart for a reason. So, so that year in December, for the first time, I got to speak at Hope Church. And it was such a really cool experience. And uh, I, I looked back and I had, apparently I taught on, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Um, and I'm pretty sure I read like word for word everything that I wrote out for that message. Um, but I wrote about how God is the author of our stories and that when we give God authority in our lives, we allow him to be the author because I kind of connected author and authority. And I thought I was very clever. Um, And it was this amazing moment, followed by then a lot more waiting. And in some ways, it was a more difficult waiting because, you know, when you get to that place where you're like, God finally shows you a taste of what you could do or what he might want to use you for, and then you're like, okay, God, how come, how come I can't just go do it now? I want to be the thing already. I want to, like, go out, and, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't quite ready. And God knew that I needed more time to grow, more time to, to learn and prepare and in that time, in the next like several years, he used different people in my life to continue to encourage me in that gift. And I would say this too, we all need people in our lives. We all need to be people in other people's lives that are encouraging the gifts that we see that God has planted there. Because there are some times where in the waiting period, it's easy for us to give up and say, maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe I didn't really know. Maybe I was wrong. And so we need people coming alongside us and saying, hey, no, you are good at this. Keep going. Keep allowing God to grow you and change you and move you. Um, sometimes God's going to put us in a waiting period, but that doesn't mean the story is over. And this is partly where that verse to me is so significant when God said, be prepared in season and out of season. Not every season is an in season. Not every season is going to look the same, and in different times, different places, God's going to use us in different ways. And some seasons may feel very active, and there may be some times where we're just waiting, and God is doing something, and that song that we sang is so beautiful because it reminds us, even when I don't see it, you're working, God. Even in those seasons that feel wasted, that feel broken, that feel like nothing good could possibly come out of them, God is still working. And you know, it's funny, I look at my brother's story and I, I would say, you know, how come he got to know? How come he knew at such an early age what he wanted to do? And I was talking to him on the phone this week and he said, yeah, Carrie, but don't you remember? Do you know how long it took for me to get into the National Weather Service? And so again, for him, it was about five years where he waited. He did retail jobs. He was working at a gas station. It took him so long to even get his foot in the door. And I was reminded, you know, it's so easy to compare our story to someone else's. Oh, man, they have it so easy. Oh, man, they're so gifted. Oh, man, look, look what they've got going on for them. And I would first say, if you look around this room with the people sitting next to you, you have no idea. You have no idea where they've been in their story. You have no idea the, the pain, the hurt, the setbacks, the difficult things. 
that they have gone through. And so we can never look at someone else's story and try to compare them and say, oh man, they've got it so much better or you know, they, they're so much more qualified than we are. I bet if you talk to anyone in this room today, they would tell you a story. Um, a, a, a God has taken them on a journey that they did not expect. And I hope that we can do that more and more so we can encourage each other and we can recognize and, and, and help to strengthen one another. Um, but the whole thing, all this waiting and this talking of God growing things in us, it naturally makes me want to talk about cheese. I'm sh- I told you it was coming. I'm sure you were expecting it right about now. Um, I, I, was, I was trying to think of how to end this message, and I went to uh, a cheese tour yesterday. Uh, how many of you gone, have gone to Cato Corner in Colchester? Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. I love cheese. I spent... I spent a whole paycheck there probably, but um, it's amazing. And so we went yesterday because they had this farm tour and you could go and you could learn about the cheese making process, which is fascinating to me. And I dragged my daughter and their friend with me because I was like, someone's going to go and share this excitement. Um, They were slightly less excited than I was, but... So we get there and we get to see into this, um, the cheese factory, and so they have... um, you know, this vat of, they starts out with the milk and then they add the enzymes and that helps it to coagulate. And so you have what looks like a yogurt and then that becomes ultimately the curds. And so the guy is explaining all this process and how you make different cheeses. And, um, and so I, of course, you know, raise my hand and I'm like, okay, blue cheese. I love blue cheese. Anyone else a blue cheese fan? Okay, thank you. I know, I know, it's like a love, you either love it or hate it. Um, so I said, I've heard that with blue cheese, you have to like inject a bacteria or something into the cheese at some point in order to make that beautiful blue cheese part. And I said, at what point in the process do you add the bacteria? And he said, well, yes, some people, some places will inject that bacteria, the, the mold into the cheese after the fact. He said, but what we do is we actually put the mold in pretty early on in the process when we're still mixing that, all that, um, you know, the, the milk together. There's whey or curd. I'm, I'm going to mix up something here. But they, they put the mold in pretty early on. And then they seal that cheese, and it's got its rind. And then they put that cheese away. And he said the mold is actually latent. It just sits there, and it doesn't do anything. Because he said, do you know what mold needs in order to grow? Oxygen. So he said, a couple months before they're ready to sell the cheese, they go in and they poke holes into the cheese rind to put air into the cheese so that the mold can begin to grow when it's ready. And I thought, that is so amazing. And I also found out that they have what they call a cheese cave, not a man cave, (laughs) a cheese cave where they store their cheese and they put it there until it's ready to uh, to be sold. And my daughter was so excited, and they were like, oh my gosh, we need to, we should just like have a cheese farm, and we could live, and we could, we could stay in the cheese cave. And I was like, I was like, listen, I love to eat cheese, but I do not want to live like a cheese. Like, I don't need to grow up in the environment that the cheese is in. Um, but then the more I thought about it, I thought, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Maybe God wants us to live a little bit like the cheese. Um, what I mean by that is this. Do we believe that God intentionally made us? Do we believe that God intentionally put his plans and purposes into our lives when he made us? Psalm 139 tells us that he did, that God formed us in our mother's womb, 
that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you need to know that today. Some of you are feeling like you are worthless, that you don't have a purpose, that you don't have a reason to be here, and I want you to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And Ephesians 2.10 says that God's, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. And it just reminds me of this cheese, that God, when he forms us, when he puts us into this world, he says, I'm going to make you, even before you're aware of it, I'm going to give you these gifts. I'm going to give you these talents. I'm going to give you this thing. And it's going to be within you, inside your life. But it may not come out just yet. You may not be able to see that gift or that, that um, thing that I'm going to put in your life or that I'm going to do through you in this season. Maybe it's not time yet. Maybe it's not ready, but we need to believe that God has put it there, that God has designed us for that work. And at the right time, at the right time, just like that mold needs oxygen in order to grow, at the right time, God is going to infuse our lives with his spirit. He's going to infuse that part of our lives with his spirit, and he's going to help us to realize and to see what he's made us to do. And he's going to bring that thing forth. And so part of this is a reminder that um, it's always about God. God is the one who's faithful to produce what he starts. He will complete what he started in our lives, in your life. And we can, we can embrace that. We can believe that. And maybe at some point, God, like he did with me in the verse that he gave me, will give you a verse or a moment or a person that speaks into your life and says, hey, have you ever thought of doing this? Hey, we really need someone to help in this area. Have you ever thought about doing that? I don't know what that trigger will be for you. I don't know what that moment will be for you, but you can be sure that it will be that, that sign that God is breathing life into you in a new way, in a new season. And to be honest, okay, again, not everyone likes blue cheese. Not, mold might not feel like a gift, right? When God is making something, we might look at the things that are in our life. We might look at the difficulties, the negative things in our life. And yes, the enemy wants to take those things and use them to steal from us and kill and destroy. But God, God doesn't, God doesn't create those negative things, but God can absolutely allow those negative things, like the cheese cave, to be a place that shapes and molds and prepares us for the things that he is doing. And so maybe you're in a place right now where you just feel like, oh man, I can't see past this season and it feels so hard and it feels so difficult. And I, I, I know that God sees you and he holds you and he um, cares deeply for you and he wants to walk with you through that fire. But believe me when I say that God also may use that very time in your life to grow and develop something in you that you would never have imagined, that you would never have known or believed would be possible. And so here's a couple of big ideas that I want to leave you with for today. First of all is this. When God looks at you, he doesn't see obstacles and disqualifications. He sees his plans and purposes. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at all the, the laundry list of reasons that you have that you're disqualified or that you can't or that you um, aren't enough. God sees his plans and purposes that he put in you when you were still in your mom's womb. Okay? That's how long, even longer than that, he's known what he's called you to. And the second thing is, you may not see the plans and purposes in this season, but God does, and he is always working. 
we can trust that even in those seasons where we just feel like, you know, I, I've probably talked about this before, there are some seasons where you just feel like it is all I can do to get up every day and just do what's in front of me to do. Those seasons are hard, and I feel for you if that's where you are right now. But I, I can promise you this, that even if you're in that season and it just feels so overwhelming, God's still there. He's still working. And I pray that he begins to show you and speak to you and remind you that you're not alone and your story is not over. It really ties into last week, Tom talked about that idea of us being faithful stewards of the lives that God has given us. God has placed these talents in our lives in different roles, in different seasons, and he's the one that's faithful to produce what he wants in us. And the question is, will we be faithful to surrender? No matter the season, no matter the story, no matter the um, excuses or whatever we have in, in our lives that seems to block us, and so I'm going to leave you with this, with this thought and this challenge. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know what, what difficulties you're going through or maybe, what, maybe you've started a beautiful new season that's positive for you. I don't know where you are. But I'm sure that no matter where you are, even, even when God brings us to um, a new season, like even for myself, I look at um, the season that I'm in now and I, st I still tell myself that I can't do certain things. I still live with that imposter syndrome sometimes. I, I don't think we ever outgrow that. And so I want you just to think right now, if there are things in your life that you have started to tell yourself are limits, if you've started to say, yep, I can't do this. Oh, I'm not, I'll never be good enough. I'll never, whatever that internal dialogue that is going through your mind, that broken soundtrack, my challenge to you today would be, would you lay that down? Would you give that soundtrack to God? Would you give him all those, the voices in your head that are telling you you can't? And would you allow his truth to speak louder than those lies? And my prayer for all of us today is that, um, that God will, that we will hear God's voice and he will begin to show us the plans and purposes he has for us. Because you know what? As God uses us, this is when he begins to shape our individual lives, it's not just about us. In fact, the God talks about a kingdom that we're all part of and the kingdom of God he describes as, as this dough that a woman puts yeast in and then she kneads that dough and that, that dough rises and expands and spreads. And so I want you to know that when you say no to those negative voices and begin to believe that God wants to use you, God is going to begin to use you to expand and grow his kingdom, to lead others into his truth, to lead others into his freedom. It's never just about us. And I want you to have that big picture image of what God wants you to do. So let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, thank you that you see beyond what we could see, that you see a, a picture in ourselves and our children and our friends and our family that we cannot possibly have a vision for. But I pray, God, that you would continue to speak to each person here, that we would begin to know and recognize your voice and trust your voice above the lies. And I ask God um, that for those that are going through difficult seasons right now, that you'd hold their hand, that you would lead them, that you would just hold them like a good shepherd would hold and care for its sheep, that they would not feel abandoned or left alone or discarded, that I pray that you begin to walk them through and begin to show us all where you are infusing us with your spirit, with your hope to go and share your love with other people in this world. We love you, God. Amen.